Welcome in to the newest episode of the Hoth Hangout Podcast. We're glad to have you here with us, joining us for episode 58 of the podcast. Uh, in last week's episode, we discussed some of the uh, higher, uh, our more favorite things about Disney and some of the better things that they have done since the acquisition of the Star Wars IP. And in this week's episode, we're going to kind of take the flip side approach, the opposite narrative, and talk about some of the things that Disney perhaps could have done better. Uh, some would say that this might be a topic that is perhaps even more controversial than what we <laughs> talked about last week and perhaps even more polarizing. So uh, it's going to be a lively and interesting episode. We're looking forward to it very much. Before we get into it, as a reminder, if you're not yet subscribed to the Hot Hangout podcast, definitely check us out for the video version on YouTube. Thank you to the 346 of you who are subscribed over there. And uh, if you're not already familiar with our email, you can email us at hothhangout at gmail.com. Any questions or uh, any Star Wars thoughts or anything otherwise, feel free to reach out to us there. We are reachable again at hothhangout at gmail.com. Additionally, you can check out the Hoth Hangout podcast everywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify and Apple. Leave a five-star review on those platforms. We would appreciate it very much. And additionally, we are reachable on all the socials at Hoth Hangout, whether it be Instagram, TikTok, or X. 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 Check us out on each of those. Joey, what's going on, man? How you feeling about this episode? Happy Thanksgiving to you. How was your yes. time with family? Yes, happy Thanksgiving. It was a real chill one. We just went to a restaurant. My mom actually is in Thailand right now. And so she actually left on Saturday. So we didn't want to do the whole cooking and having to clean up and stuff like that before her flight out so uh yeah we just hit, hit up a restaurant they ran out of prime rib which i wanted and Ooh. i was so upset so, but i i did get the ham which is fine but it's definitely not what you want if you got wanted prime rib going into it but uh family time is always good had a had a fun time how about you how was your thanksgiving it was good um this was my first thanksgiving in my entire life that i did not spend in my hometown so um definitely different than what i'm normally accustomed to but it was really good i enjoyed it a lot i i ate a, not, a lot of new foods for the first time oh yeah um, what was your favorite new food that you ate this is going to shock you i have never had stuffing before what really yeah and so i uh and that I, is I'm a staple that's a staple of thanksgiving I know, yeah dinner. yeah uh, i i mean i've just it's never been like something that we've had at thanksgiving with my family and so um I had Thanksgiving with my girlfriend's family and uh, they had stuffing and I was like, Hey, fun fact, I've never tried this. And so nice. I had a lot of stuffing. It was really good. That, yeah. That'll, that'll, that'll knock you right out. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. The power nap that I took afterwards was <laughs> immaculate, but I bet. Um, but yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Once again, hope you had a, a wonderful time with family. Those of you in the, in the U S um, and does any other country celebrate Thanksgiving the same weekend we do? I know Canada has one, but I think it's a different weekend. Right. Yeah, it's a different weekend. But yeah, I don't actually, I'm not sure. Gibbo, can you confirm? Do you have a Thanksgiving at some point? Oh, uh, no, no Thanksgiving. Well, we'll, we'll save some Sorry, stuffing. Uh, and... We do not. No, no, we do not. <laughs> do not? Well, we'll save some stuffing and prime rib for you. And next time we're oh. all three in the same place, we'll have a meal of stuffing and prime rib. Sounds good. <laughs> you had to Sounds remind. You had to remind me I didn't have prime rib thanks. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to give thanks for. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Well, in last week's episode, we we gave thanks for the many things that the Disney era has given us for uh, 
with Star Wars. And, and so, as I mentioned earlier, in this week, we are going to be kind of taking the opposite approach and talking about some of the major criticisms of the Disney Star Wars era, whether it be the sequel trilogy or just more largely the Disney uh, era otherwise. And so, uh, as I mentioned, it's going to be a lively one. We have a couple small pieces of news before we get into the main parts of our discussion. Uh, this is perhaps the biggest news out of Star Wars in a while, I would say. Uh, mm -hmm. Dave Filoni is now the chief creative officer at Lucasfilm. Uh, when I saw this, I was like, you know, I was on the couch and uh, I leaned over and I was like, look, like I was trying to explain <laughs> why it was a big deal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So so the fact that Dave is in kind of the 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 driver's seat now is something that I think all Star Wars fans should be pretty happy about. How, what was your reaction when you heard this news, Joey? I definitely was excited. And the first thing I thought of, and we'll get into it a little bit later, is that, wow, it would have been really nice to have somebody in this role when the, the, the sequel trilogy came out so that we could have it all mapped out. Uh, uh, spoiler yeah. alert. I've heard, that's what we're going to be talking about later. But to, to see that he's in that role like from uh from such a high position i believe he's going to report directly to kathleen kennedy if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. um so i think that's going to be uh, a good uh for first of all i don't know who was in that role if that role existed before or what it was but uh to have him there at the helm i think that's this was a good move this was inevitable i believe and yeah i think like you said i think it's going to be good for the franchise I mean, I have a definition of what the position is, but I don't know if it was if it was held previously by anyone or else or not. Mm -hmm. It's just like one of those generic descriptions. It says company's creative output, developing the artistic design strategy that defines the company's brand. Oh, okay, so that's they you got that from Indeed.com. It sounds yeah. like, or uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a job offering site or something like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, for those, I guess if if you don't know who Dave Filoni is, Dave has worked behind the scenes tirelessly on Star Wars uh, for the better part of the last uh, decade plus, really. Um, he was heavily involved in the Clone Wars and Rebels and many of the Disney Plus live action shows. And um, he is essentially the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Someone who takes the throne afterwards. Mm -hmm. The uh, not heir apparent. The heir apparent to George Lucas, yeah. yes. Um, mm -hmm. he, he is probably the closest thing the George Lucas that we have as Star Wars fans at this moment in time, other than George himself. Mm -hmm. uh, and some would even say that he has a better grasp on the universe than George does. Um, so he's not just someone who has been put into this position mm -hmm. for the sake of, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, he's someone who has been a Star Wars fan his whole life. He's someone who's passionate about it and someone who's been heavily involved in the work and the project. So exciting news uh, to hear for Dave Filoni in that regard as well. And I think, um, given the topic of this particular episode, I would like to see if there was anybody who actually isn't a fan of that's a good question. Move. You know, if there's anybody who saw this news and said, "Oh no," because you know we're talking about the criticisms of Disney and the Star Wars universe. Star Wars universe. Maybe there are some people that are not happy about this move. Yeah, I, I, that's a good question. A good question. I'm glad you posed that. Um, I think. It's fair, too, because I think so often we're in the position where we're like, oh, you know, we both love Dave. But if there's anyone out there who's not a fan of some of the creative decision, he's uh, just creative decisions he's made or or just kind of how he goes about being a uh, producer of Star Wars content, let us know down in the comments. That's a, a good question. Make sure we get that posed as well. 
Our second piece of news we wanted to cover is also pertaining to today's topic as well, um, as it is about a comment that Daisy Ridley recently made um, regarding the new Jedi Order movie that she is slated to be in. Um, I read the article and it didn't seem like there was something that was groundbreaking, um, mm -hmm. other than the fact that she is surprised at the approach they took to the film. Am I accurately? Yeah, uh, depicting the feelings of the article in that statement. Yeah, I mean, th this is one of the articles that wants to build up a little bit of hype, but with right. really no content behind it. You know, just, yeah, you yeah. know, because you know, as you know, whenever you have something Star Wars related, they're gonna take keep a very you know tight grasp on whatever information they have of it. So if Daisy even has any real information, I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of the storyline that she knows about, but from what I read, it seems like there isn't a lot that she even really knows either. So we'll see what happens in the next uh, next couple of years, honestly, because who knows when this is even going to come out? Because I think the I think it was speculated that one of the other movies would be out before this one. So uh, mm -hmm. to so we'll see we'll see what even what this means. But the biggest thing she said was it's not what I expected, but I'm very excited, which is 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 good because it's definitely going down a different road maybe that than she was used to uh that being the sequel trilogy and again we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit more later on mm -hmm. but uh to to see that you know she's obviously still excited about it and uh it's always good to to even check in so i think it's just you know we got this news in what april about the that there's even going to be a, another movie with her in it so and and since then it's been radio silence. So we have no idea that what's even going on. And as you know, there have been movies, there have been shows that come up and say, "Hey, this is what's going to happen," and then only to be scrapped later on. So I think to to give this movie a little bit of exposure, just even in this little bit, I think that's what this this whole thing was about. Yeah, kind of getting people excited for something that's probably easily at least two years away at this point. Right, yeah. Um, and especially since there, especially there's no star Wars TV shows right now either. Right. So yeah. Be a perfect especially time to drop the, something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with production, not underway either. It says in the article that there's no indication that that's even close to starting at this point either. Uh, the one other small piece of information from this article that I did want to also ask, uh, ask you about is that it's unclear whether she is going to get a film or a trilogy of films. Yes, I did see that. So, mm -hmm. um, and something that I would add on to that is because I think, I think the character of Ray and as a byproduct Daisy Ridley has largely been a source of a lot of hate for the sequel trilogy, uh, and I would probably argue unfairly because you know, oh for sure. At the end of the day, it's it's the writing, if anything, that you should be criticizing and not the character or the actor herself. Certainly not. Um, mm -hmm. And so, having said that, I I think. The way I would like to view a new Ray film or a new Ray trilogy even is I'm approaching it with less pessimism uh, and more optimism that it will be able to somehow take the character and the shortcomings that are associated with the character and mm -hmm. hopefully um, distance the character away from some of those lingering shortcomings that people tend to focus on with the sequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. So. I think I think there's promise mm -hmm. for a Ray film, but I can you know understand why people would be hesitant about this after 
mainly episode nine. And we'll talk some about that in today's episode, of course. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this really short quote from Daisy Ridley. Um, she said, I know the storyline for one film. That's not to say that that's all it is, but that's what I was told about. And I imagine it will be the next film, I think. I mean, again, I don't know post strikes and everything, how quickly everything will start up again. But yes, so far, I know the story of one film, and I think people will be very excited. So it sounds like she's sort of in the loop for this new movie, but has not been really given the green light as to whether there will be a full trilogy of Ray films or not. Mm -hmm. um, there may not even be a decision made on that until after the release of this movie, pending how it does. So, yep, sure. Something to keep an eye uh, on yeah, as well. Please, uh, please see Solo for that for a reference yeah. of what that means. Hey, I'm, all I'm saying is I liked the Star Wars story model where it was every other year, yeah, Rogue yeah, One, still solo. Anyways, uh, well, yeah, we'll talk more about Daisy Ridley and kind of um, how she plays into all of this and the sequel trilogy uh, moving forward with Star Wars. The last piece of news we wanted to touch on is that the second season or the season two trailer of Andor uh, was, I think, leaked or huh? I don't, I'm pretty sure it wasn't released. Um, this was no, a so like either. a phone recording, and I actually did not watch it this time. So I we're look at you. It, uh, we're saving it until the actual official one is released, and then Joey and I will react. Actually, to it together. actually was able to resist. I, I'm <laughs> I'm proud of you, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll probably mention Andor briefly at some point in today's podcast as well. But um, this is another example of one of the. This probably goes more so in last week's episode where we touched on some of our more favorite things about Andor, even though I know there are people that didn't really like it. Joey and I both enjoyed it. So um, all that to say, season two of Andor coming very soon and a trailer potentially on the rise. And hopefully we get this trailer before Christmas. That'd be fun. Yes. Well, uh, having gone through today's news, we want to showcase a couple of comments from last week's episode where we talked about the bright side of Disney. And so, um, the first comment we wanted to showcase is from Aunt Vesuvi. Aunt Vesuvi says, many thanks, Ben, Joey, and Gibbo. I hope you all had a pleasant celebration yesterday. What has Disney done right? They've experimented. It's the only way to grow. And I, I, I think that's a great way to say, <laughs> you know, short, sweet, and simple, and to the point. Um, I, I think even if you're not a fan of the sequels, uh, which is fair to say that's a pretty sizable, you know, portion of the Star Wars fan base, um, I, I think you can't, fault them for not experimenting right <laughs> and so i right. you know obviously here um you know making a very good point saying that that's that's really what disney has done they've they've taken some some leaps you know some have gone better than others but all that to say you're not gonna grow if you don't take those steps and those leaps and make those experiments yeah if you do the same thing every time every movie every show i mean yeah you're gonna you're going to continue to bring in the same audience but you, you do want to bring in new generations, new audience uh, into your universe too. So uh, very well, very well put and Vesuvi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have another comment from Anthony. Anthony YouTube fan says, uh, and I might have to actually increase my screen size here. <laughs> um, Anthony says, there we go. Uh, favorites of Disney Star Wars. And this is from the last decade. Uh, the Mandoverse. And that includes Bad Batch, High Republic, Multimedia Initiative. Uh, and he and Anthony also notes for the most part, Star Wars Visions. This is, I think, the most underrated thing that Disney yeah. has done is Star Wars Visions. I, I love uh, Visions. If you haven't seen it yet, anyone check it out. There's two seasons of it now on Disney Plus. Uh, Tales of the Jedi also incredibly underrated. I think 
Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor, the two uh, video games that have been released under that IP. Star Wars Rebels, Rogue One. Anthony also adds, to an extent, with Rogue One, I would have much preferred the 1981 New Hope radio dramas story, which I don't even know. I read Anthony's comment earlier, yep. and I thought, I don't know if I'm familiar with that. So um, I'm. Are, are you familiar with the New Hope radio drama story, Joey? I'm, I, I've definitely heard of it, but I've never uh, right, listened yeah. to it. Yeah, I'm in that same boat. I, I knew of it, but I couldn't have told you what that story was. So um, maybe a future podcast episode right there in the making. Solo, pretty good, though rather irrelevant. Uh, I'm very much excited to read the third phase of The High Republic so I can start... Uh, oh, the third phase of two of the, of the High Republic so I can start phase three. I held the Eye of Darkness in my hands two days ago at Barnes & Noble. I will tear through that thing when I get to it. Uh, Martian Rowe and the Nameless are two of my favorite anti-heroes in the Star Wars universe. By the way, I don't count Clone Wars Season 7 because it's part of George Lucas's time shepherding Star Wars and Lucasfilm. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, Ben and Joey. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you as well, Anthony. Uh, Anthony laying it all out there for us and, yep. and uh, kind of letting us know his thoughts on each of those different IPs or uh, different parts of Star Wars within the past decade. Anything that stood out to you before we move on to uh, our last comment from Lord Galvatron? No, I, I, the, the the part that always sticks out is the High Republic stuff. There's so much mm -hmm. that we still need to get into. And uh, yeah, I, we, we've got to get into that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and if you haven't managed to catch, we've done two episodes now on uh, on comic book content. One of them focused on the High Republic era. And so, um, yeah, go back and check those out. Off the top of my head, I want to say it's like episode 55 was the Canaan, and then the High Republic was like 43, 42, something like that. But uh, go check it out on our Hoth Hangout YouTube page if you're interested in listening to some High Republic content. And uh, thank you to Anthony for that comment as well. Our last comment from Lord Galvatron, and I think um, Lord Galvatron put it very, uh, you know, succinctly here in, in a couple different bullet points. The question we posed at the end of last week's episode was, what has Disney done right? And uh, wink, wink, hint, hint, that might give you a hint what our question might be for the end of today's episode. <laughs> uh, but Lord Galvatron says, as an avid lover of the sequel trilogy, it's safe to say that, D D uh, that Disney has done a lot of great things in Star Wars. I also glanced over the fact that Lord Galvatron says the sequel trilogy is his favorite. I could go on all day about the things I love about Disney Star Wars, but I'll try to keep it concise. The sequel trilogy, I certainly have my issues with it, but at the end of the day, no movies entertain me more than these movies, chief among them being The Last Jedi. To me, it's the most well-shot, most well-scored movie of the saga, and the things they introduced like forced dyads and raised heritage were super interesting to me. Rogue One and Rebels, for all the reasons we went over in last week's episode. The Siege of Mandalore, in which Lord Galvatron separated from the whole of Season 7, because if you combined all the episodes from that storyline, for him, that's a top two Star Wars movie in and of itself. I think that's a great point. The Siege of Mandalore is uh, one of my favorite parts as well. And lastly, Disney plus Star Wars. Overall, I think this is the biggest win for Disney when it comes to Star Wars. I personally think they have yet to miss with a project. Hopefully I didn't go on for too long. I could have said plenty <laughs> more, but not trying to write a novel for you guys. <laughs> You are good, Lord Galvatron. We appreciate your comment, and uh, I think you make some good points. And uh, particularly the one I, I, other than the Siege of Mandalore, which I, I love that that uh, that arc. I, I think the Disney Plus Star Wars has introduced a new era of what it means to, uh, you know, have this Star Wars content on a more regular basis. It mm -hmm. uh, acquainted and associated with new characters in the universe, opportunities to tell more stories and new stories. 
Um, so I, I think Disney Plus has really opened a door. Now, you know, there's criticisms I think that could be made there too. And we might talk about some of those today, but um, I, I would I would definitely agree with your fourth point uh, in full. I think Disney Plus has done a lot uh, for Star Wars in, in recent years. What do you think, Joey? Anything that stood out to you before we move on to the bulk of today's discussion? No, I, I, I really like his third point about Siege of Mandalorian and it being a top two Star Wars movie, essentially, yeah. um, if you were to put it all together like that. So that was a, that was a great point. Yeah. Siege of Mandalore. If you also haven't watched that, make sure to check it out as well. All right. The time has come. We are ready to talk about the uh, largest criticisms of the Disney Star Wars era. We're going to try not to focus too much on the sequel trilogy in particular. <laughs> I, I said that like when not... we when we say try, we're really going to try. Yeah. To be fair, I, I think I, I I so obviously if I was ranking my favorite trilogies, I would probably go. I mean, I love the prequels personally, but for me, my least favorite trilogy would be the sequel mm -hmm. trilogy. Um. And that's not to say that there aren't some good things that came with it, as we talked about last week. I think people oftentimes have a tendency to cast all of it in a negative light. Uh, and so we're going to hop into our discussion about the negative sides of Disney Star Wars uh, without being hopefully too overly critical <laughs> of some <laughs> but of also critical. But also but critical. But also critical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I think it's worth mentioning because so much of this discussion centers around the sequel trilogy. Um, that's where we're going to start our discussion today. And I think it's important to note that you can't really dive into the specificities of the things that make the sequel trilogy criticizable without first noting and understanding that the lack of planning that went into this trilogy is really a huge reason why we have so many of the criticisms we have uh, about the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Uh, originally, there were three different directors slated to direct these three films. J.J. Uh, Abrams for The Force Awakens, Ryan Johnson for The Last Jedi, and then Colin uh, Trevorrow for the... Uh, episode 9, which was originally meant to be titled Duel of the Fates. Uh, and so, of course, Colin did not stick with that film, and in the end, it was J.J. who came in to direct Episode 9. Uh, but this was sort of the original vision, and what we got was really not that original vision. I think it's really important to know that the lack of planning and cohesion, uh, not just because of Colin's departure, but really amongst the directors and their communication with Disney, you know, we don't really know the full extent as to why Ryan Johnson's plot really did not feel like it meshed with J.J.'s plot from The Force Awakens. Um, it's, it's apparent when you watch the films. And so I think it's just important to note, and Joey, I, I want to know what your thoughts are on this as well, that I think before you can even talk about the specificities of why the sequel trilogy might not be great, uh, it's be it's important to note that the planning that went into this was very subpar. It, it, that's kind of my opening uh, spiel in regards mm -hmm. to episode or in regards to the sequel trilogy. What do you think about that? Yeah, 
I kind of mentioned it in an earlier uh, episode about how Star Wars was not, well, you know, had, had uh, originated from movies where you have like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, those came from books and then were made into movies. So the one, the one, the one franchise I wanted to compare to was Harry Potter because Harry Potter had seven books. I think they had eight movies and they had different directors throughout. But the reason that was able to mesh a little bit more is because the story was already written out for us. And where in Star Wars, we didn't have that. So you really need to get some type of writer's room, some type of oh, what, what they're doing with the High Republic now, where they have all the authors sit down, talk about, you know, particular storylines, particular, um, uh, you know, plot lines and everything like that, uh, where it it was pretty much apparent that it didn't seem like that kind of communication was happening between these directors. And that's, that's unfortunate because, because of it, you have these three really segmented movies, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you look at the two that JJ Abrams did, they kind of feel like night and day, (laughs) you know, there one is, one is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go into it a little bit here, but one is a very new hope ish and very, familiar and something that we you know we like to see all the warm and fuzzies but then you have rise of skywalker which just it was just like a mishmash of just absolutely everything that you can throw at a screen all at once you know so i think the the criticism here is basically you know the 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 directors just did not like you said did not necessarily mesh they didn't uh the storylines just kind of were all over the place during the sequel trilogy and although we may have got some good moments out of it I felt like I was trying to find those good moments as opposed to just kind of organically watching a movie and say, Oh, I, I enjoyed that, you know? Uh, to, so it was a little bit, it was a little bit hard to get through this sequel trilogy uh, from the start. Now during rewatches, maybe I'm able to pick out, you know, a little bit uh, better things, but it shouldn't have to take a rewatch for me to enjoy a film. It should be, you know, when I first watch it in the theater, I'm like, Oh, this was a really good film. Uh, not trying to give it the benefit of the doubt or anything like that. So, uh, there were some pluses obviously to that, but we are talking about the criticisms today. And I think the directing, how the directors, uh, kind of came and went and then came back again, (laughs) um, was a, a part of the reason why, you know, it didn't necessarily hit with everybody. Do you have a, a favorite director amongst these three? Cause amongst, I'm not as familiar with Colin's work. But amongst JJ and Ryan, I definitely do have a favorite director amongst mm-hmm. the two of them. Like apart from Star Wars, just in terms right. of how they approach movies. Um, would you mm-hmm. say that you have one of, of these three? I I loved Knives Out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Ryan Johnson out of the two, I think I would I would pick Ryan Johnson. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I liked I and you know, obviously JJ Abrams, he was a part of he was part of Lost, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. we all know how we feel about Lost, and <laughs> um, we and... all know we all know how you feel about Lost. <laughs> that's, that's true, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the the, the uh, um, in in Knives Out, I just loved Ryan so much that I was just like, yeah. If you gave me the two, yeah, I would I would pick Ryan Johnson for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same, and I think I see that a little bit in how I feel about each of the films. Um, and maybe this is better to save this for a few minutes from now when we're going to talk about each of the films yeah. individually. But there was just, it was the way, not necessarily how I felt about the film when it ended, but as I was watching it, the way like conversations take place, the way the plot unfolds, I think I naturally resonate more with the way or the style that Ryan Johnson does that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, maybe we can we can shelve yeah. that and we can talk about that with each of the movies here in a second. Uh, because the last thing we want to mention before we talk very briefly about each movie individually of the sequel trilogy um, is this idea that we are going to bring back these uh, original characters from the original yeah. trilogy. You know, there was a lot of them, but mainly Han, um, Luke, and Leia. Uh, my apologies to Lando. Don't mean to leave you out, Lando. Um, but sort of the approach that they took with these characters, um, particularly Han in the seventh movie, and then really Luke throughout the trilogy, and, and maybe even Leia, just with the way they portrayed her Force abilities. Maybe that's the way I'll... I'll put mm -hmm. that. Um, but I, I think perhaps mainly Han and Luke is what I want to focus on. Um, how did you feel about the way those two characters were included in the trilogy? Because I think a lot of people's, um, one of their main criticisms of the sequel trilogy is that the way Luke is portrayed mm -hmm. is not how Luke was right. in the original trilogy. I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't have a huge issue with how Luke was portrayed. I know a lot of people had been. I mean, he's seen some stuff. He's been through a lot. You know, it's it's how many years, you know, 20-some years since last we saw him. And, you know, during that time, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he had his Jedi Order and it was got overthrown and, you know, all this stuff. So I definitely, I can see it. You know, maybe this was the extreme version of that. Maybe he could have been a little bit more hopeful. And I understand that, and I know I'm 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 sure uh, Mark Hamill is on record saying something similar as well, where it, it didn't seem like this was the Luke that he played, you know, many years ago. But again, at, to Aunt Vesuvia's point earlier on, they were experimenting. This is, you know, you know, these are real people, and you know, real people don't don't handle these types of situations all too well all the time, you know. So. You know, that's the human element of people. So I, I didn't really have issue with that. Um, but, and I, I think I've gone on record to say this as well. I almost would have rather not had the the original cast come in at all during the sequel mm. trilogy. You have a totally different thing because you, you had to connect these lines right. that, you know, back to them. You know, they could be in reference, sure. You know, obviously with the Jedi, you want to mention Luke. You got to mention Luke. You know, you you're talking about the rebellion. You gotta mention Leia, but I, I the, you know, I for me, I would have rather just them not have been there at all. And then so you just have this whole new, and I think that's what this new Ray movie is going to end up being, is something like that. Yeah, just, uh, completely removed from the Skywalker saga. Right. I, I think it's a little bit ironic because the I understand from a marketing perspective, like how are we going to yeah, draw in these old timers? You know, these fans of Star Wars since the 70s and 80s, you know, let's put Luke, Han, and Leia into the films because obviously mm -hmm. why, why wouldn't we? It'll gain them. Um, ironically, their inclusion into the film and therefore as a byproduct, the movie not doing what fans wanted it to do with the characters they love so much right. almost made that group of Star Wars fans not like it even more than they probably would have otherwise mm. because it felt like you're taking something I love and turning it into something I don't love, you know, that sort of right. sentiment, um, which, you know, is a fair, I would say reasonable um, criticism of the film. 
but I think it, it is important to put it within the context of what we talked about earlier in that, you know, obviously they're not going to make this whole trilogy about these three characters. Um, yeah. And so the way they were incorporated, while it could definitely have been better, I think, um, I, in the end, was okay with it. I think I have the least issue with Hans, uh, okay. with his story. I, I think, I think that provided like great reasoning and, and, and like a great instance of something that happened in the plot to push it forward. You know, something mm -hmm. that was meaningful. Luke and Leia, I'm a little, uh, you know. Yeah, but, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, of the three, I, I think I have the least issue with Hans. But, um. When it comes to The Force Awakens, I think we'll take a couple minutes and just talk about each movie briefly, um, some of the criticisms of each film. When it comes to The Force Awakens, um, I think the easiest criticism of this movie, and it's actually something that we talked about a little bit in last week's podcast, uh, is that it largely resembles A New Hope in its plot and in its structure with different characters kind of thrust into these different roles uh, with Rey <laughs> sort of filling the role of Luke, Kylo sort mm -hmm. of filling the role of Vader, um, Han kind of filling the role of Obi-Wan, Finn right. filling mm -hmm. the role of uh, of uh, Leia, I guess, would Finn be? Mm -hmm. And then um, Poe filling the role of Han. And so that would be one initial criticism. I don't, and it's funny because a lot of this criticism is contrary to the idea of experimenting with this new disney ip it felt like they introduced new characters you know we, we were getting ready to learn who all these new people are and then largely this movie just felt like a rehashing of new hope oh there's another death star oh it's even bigger this time i mean they they literally had a scene <laughs> right where they said here's the death star yeah. Here, Star Killer Base, and it's like yeah. you know, fifty times bigger. So they knew what they were doing. They were absolutely just going scene for scene here, almost. Yeah, it was almost like self-aware that it knew it was copying it, and it was like a little bit shameless about it. <laughs> right. Yes. Not, you know, not in a bad way, but like, um, I, I would also add that I think most people regard this as the best sequel film. So, I think there's probably a little bit of a reason for that because the original film is good for a reason, mm -hmm. um, there was not as much experimenting with this movie as there was with Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Uh, and so I can... I, I, I'm more critical of this movie, I think, than the average Star Wars fan. Mm. I tend to rank this very closely with Last Jedi, and in many ways, I actually like Last Jedi more. Sure. Um, another really big criticism about the force awakens and this is something that i don't know if i would fully agree with and i i'm pretty sure you wouldn't agree with it um is kind of about the character of ray i think a lot of people were frustrated to sort of see how naturally things came to her and this is something we've talked mm -hmm. about on the podcast before yeah um I, I maybe i'll leave the floor open for you because i know that mm -hmm. you you like yeah. the character of ray and so i want yeah. to from you what your thoughts are on, on ray as a yeah. character i mean the 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 movie's called the force awakens you know so you don't want this to be something that's going to be you know very slow going and i get it 
you know, she she was able to do some things pretty quickly, like you know, change the mind of the of the of the first order trooper, and um, was able to pick out the the lightsaber from you know the snow. But and I've said this as well in the last episode, in previous episodes. Look at Luke. How did Luke go from <laughs> getting, uh, you know, going to uh, Tashi Station, you know, for um, uh, for what he needed there, and then all of a sudden leading the attack to the Death Star, you know, <laughs> within the same movie, you know. So there's now maybe he didn't have all the Force abilities, but I'm saying that's a pretty big jump too, you know. So you know, if if you want to compare that, then yeah, you know, I get it. It's a movie though. This is what's going to happen in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. you're not gonna you got you're not gonna have Ray just kind of. Uh, trying to figure out how to do things necessarily uh, because you don't have the time in one movie. I will now go back to what we saw in Ahsoka with Sabine, where in the beginning of the series, in the of the season, she was not able to do anything. And then by the end of it, she's able to do a couple things now. Now, is that a little bit more of a natural progression? I think so, because we were able to see the struggle, you know, for her to have some force abilities. Um, but again, you don't have the time for a movie, you know, in a two and a half, three hour movie, uh, to, to have that where in a complete season of eight episodes, 10 episodes, then yeah. Okay. You could flesh that out, flesh that out a little bit, you know? So, um, for, and you know, as I mentioned, I do really enjoy the, 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 the character of Ray. I've said that on record as well, uh, because it, you know, she, she gives that, she gives that hero vibe that I saw from Luke, that I saw from, you know, from Ahsoka. And I, I believe in that. I believe in, you know, her character in that way. Now, how everything kind of turned out and we, when we'll talk about, like, she ends up being a Palpatine somehow. I don't know about all of that. But um, from, from you know, at least from at least this this movie, uh, I was excited to see where, we, we you know, where she was going to go. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you think, real quick, do you think being a... Palpatine validates or invalidates her ability to it do all invalidates these things. her. And that, that that's my biggest criticism is that it was just like, oh, she just got that family bloodline, you know, and I really wanted her to be, you know, Ray from nowhere, you know. They mm-hmm. they were they kept they kept giving that to us. And to have just somebody come from the universe, not necessarily related to a Kenobi, a Skywalker, or a Palpatine, I think would have been it would have been a better storyline at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of merit to the idea of taking someone who's not just naturally instilled with those gifts and those talents and, you know, someone like Sabine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not not everyone has to be Jordan. I'm telling you. <laughs> Every Jordan needed a Pippin and a Rodman and a Tony Kukoc. No, and a Tony Kukoc and a, and a Randy <laughs> Brown. I mean, those are those, those, it doesn't have to always be a, a home run hitter, you know? Yeah, Joey also repping the uh, Chicago sweatshirt today, by the way. <laughs> Somebody um, has to. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I got, so, I got the, I got the Chicago jersey. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Right yeah. Yeah, but that's a Jordan jersey. They're so bad right now. But that's that's for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Last Jedi. This is arguably my favorite sequel movie. Yeah. I think there's a ton that, understandably, could be criticized about this movie. Sure. I my argument for the Last Jedi. Uh, is that it is the most well-made sequel film. Um, mm-hmm. I think it is cinematically, or maybe mm-hmm. the the cinematography of it is my favorite personally. Um, and while the decisions they make with some of the characters are a little bit questionable, I think a lot of the decisions that were made in this film 
were in response to the way that JJ did it in The Force Awakens. Um, now, in an ideal world, I kind of wish Ryan Johnson would have maybe communicated with JJ a little bit better. Or, you know, let's get JJ, let's get Ryan, let's get Kathleen Kennedy, and let's get the Disney executives, and let's all sit down at a table and discuss our plan for all three of these movies. You know, like, why are we introducing Snoke in The Force Awakens if we're going to kill him off in this movie and it's going to be like, oh, well, who or what was he? You know? Right. So there is a lack of cohesion. All that being said, um, I personally enjoy this movie more than Seven. Mm -hmm. I think because Seven feels so much like a rehashing of Episode 4. Yeah. Um, and, and I enjoy Seven and Eight more than Episode 9. Um, and I, this turned into an advocating for episode eight rather than yeah yeah I, was, I wanted to say I'm like this is a criticisms uh, episode I, just, I don't know I, what you're doing I just I, I like defending the last Jedi Listen, sorry I, um, I think I think by Trey I think you and I are very good at defending um, particular shows yeah, or you yeah. know Star Wars in general so that's kind of what our default is so right. I was gonna let you go on and then just say just let you just to remind you this is I was going I was like why am I like I'm supposed to be criticizing this movie right now. Uh, so I'll criticize it. Uh, the Leia scene where, she, you know, mm -hmm. going into this movie, Carrie Fisher had just passed away um, in real life. And so, you know, we were all expecting for there to be like a send off scene for her in the in the in the in the film. And, um, you know, there's the scene in the in the ship where the window gets blown out and she sort of flies out. And you're like, oh, what a sad way to see her go. You know, like me. <laughs> and I right, think everyone right. in that theater was like oh, wow, that's how we lose Leia? That's so sad, you know? Right. And then it was like, Mary Poppins, here we come. Yep, yep. <laughs> And mm -hmm. then you were just like, uh, wait, A, how is she doing that? Yep. B, how are they going to have her in the rest of this film? Uh, and so that was just kind of a, I don't have like a huge issue with it, but at the same time, yeah, it's yeah. like, we've never seen anyone do this before. Right. And I think there was. I think there might have been one in animated series that we we may have seen. Oh, really? Who um, did you have in mind? I I, I want to say something in Rebels happened, maybe with Kanan, or I I definitely I, I I don't remember where, but I I've I have a feeling somewhere in Clone Wars or in Rebels or something that that something similar happened, mm. and maybe not to the full extent of Mary Poppins, where she had to go <laughs> pretty far <laughs> to yeah. get back to the ship. Yeah. Um, I think I think there there might be something, but again, we're not trying to, you know, on its surface, right. kind of silly. On its and surface, it, it, when it, it happens, a little jarring is all I'm right. saying. Yes, right. And right. you know, for someone who is like, I'm a, if someone was like, I'm a movie only Star Wars watcher, like from yeah. their perception, it's like, how in the world did Leia learn how to do this? Last I saw mm -hmm. her, she didn't have any Force abilities. If you're right, coming yes. from the end of Return of the Jedi, and so. Mm -hmm. You know, you might not know that she was training with Luke. And anyways, um, I think that's a, a fair point to make that that scene just was very jarring yeah. when I first saw it. Uh, and then something that kind of pertains to the movie as a whole. Uh, they really just the way they treated Finn's character. Uh, he felt so central to the plot of Force Awakens. Yes. And he's so exterior to the plot of this movie and the next. Yep. Uh, and so in another way, I mean, jarring is probably the best word to describe this entire trilogy is that there's decisions made. There's things that happen in the plot and then they're either not addressed or they're played off and they're not talked about anymore. 
Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and yeah. to to see he was in, you know, when when the Force Awakens trailer came out, he was the one with the lightsaber. You understand? Right. So yeah, you know, so we thought, you know, at least early on that he was going to be the Jedi. He was going to be that. Um, it turned out that that wasn't that way. It was a bait and switch. That's fine. But keep him central to the storyline, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when we get to the episode nine, they almost try to walk it back a little bit and say, he kind of have he kind of has Jedi abilities, <laughs> you know? Like, what, you know, like if, if it wasn't for, epi- you know, episode eight, you would have never thought that, you know? It was like this whole time he's just doing this side quest. You know, you, you and I are familiar with gaming. You do, mm-hmm. He's doing the side quest with Rose the entire time. And then all of a sudden he comes back, you know, and in episode nine, that, now he's, you know, oh, yeah, he's he's a part of it again. He's part of the crew and he's kind of had these force abilities. Oh, but don't worry about that. You know, he's <laughs> just like, what? Like, what is what is happening with this? Yeah, they did Finn's role very dirty. Yeah. John Boyega, John Boyega deserved better um, in that in that character. And the actor, uh, John Boyega, was like understandably pretty frustrated after the conclusion of the trilogy, sort of just with how things went down with his character and his inclusion mm-hmm. in the films. It was, I mean, I, I feel for him, honestly. Also, the Canto Bite scene in this movie has always felt kind of weird to me, a little bit out of place. Mm. But I, I love the music, though, from that The one. music's the, great. The soundtrack. The music... the sound... I know we're criticizing, but I got to say, the the the, <laughs> the theme for Canto Bite is a banger. So <laughs> yeah. I do like that one. Yeah. Uh, how did you... I, I Something else I thought about episode eight, I think of another criticism that people are not... Uh, are often bring up is uh, is the way that, you know, the the Luke sacrifice scene. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't have I thought an issue it was, with it personally. Yeah, I didn't. But... I didn't really either. I think if people wanted him go, you know, go down in a blaze of glory with like eighteen lightsabers, and you know, like that, that's what they wanted to see of him. I get it. You know, that was the Luke that they grew up with. That you know they expected. And to be honest, the when what was it in Mando season two? Was that the uh, the the finale where he came in? Uh, Luke came in in the mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. finale of uh, season season two. I think that's the that's the Luke everybody wanted to see. You know, where he just come in on on a ship, slice up some Death Troopers or whatever there are, or Purge Troopers, and that's that's the the Luke that everybody wanted to see. But like I said, he was battered, he was beaten um, by life, and that's just kind of what came out at the other end. But the fact that he was able to pull something like that off across the universe, I get it. That, you know, and I think it it kind of set it up a little bit for um the how much the force actually takes out of you as well as we come to see in the you know episode 9 when the transfer of life force and all this stuff um mm-hmm. how it actually can you know can actually kill you apparently and there mm-hmm. there is also and this is after the fact but i think in the high republic books as well there there are moments when the jedis are have to band together in order to you know stop something from happening but it kind of takes the lives of many jedis as well so Again, that's after the fact, but still, I, I think the it's it's worth noting that um, these are people. You know, they're they're they are not mortal. They are not limitless. You know, and to to have be able to pull off something like that, I think it kind of makes sense that it kind of uh, ended him, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I'll leave it at, at that because I think you put it really well. I I, mm-hmm. I did not have an issue with the sacrificial mm-hmm. nature of of that scene, as I think some people might. Um. 
I guess, well, let's hop into the Rise of Skywalker because <laughs> this is the one that, uh, yeah. you know, really ironically, you can't see it on the podcast screen, but I do have a big poster <laughs> up in my room of yes, this movie. I put it up prior to the film's release and I've left it there. It's, good po- it's a good poster, though. Yeah, it's a great poster. Um, I, <laughs> I think it's ironic that I've never taken it down because yeah, this is right. easily my least it's favorite a, of the nine a, films. It, you're memeing yourself, apparently. You're yeah. trolling yourself. Yeah. Or actually, it's my least favorite of all 11 films, even if you include Rogue One and Solo. Um, I'm not really sure where to start with this movie. movie other, mm-hmm. I, I think I'll just say that it lacks not just cohesion with the other two films in this trilogy, but with itself. It, you're just like watching it, and you feel a little bit like you're not following. Um, there mm-hmm. were rumors when this movie, after this movie came out, that there was a like full extended edition that would have been like over three hours long or something like that. And I think the final runtime of this movie was probably something closer to normal release, like two hours 20 or something like that. Um, and so there was probably a lot that had to be cut from the movie. There are just certain scenes in here which don't really make sense, like the... The one that always gets me is the one where they find the dagger and then she like goes to the planet, <laughs> holds it up, happens to be standing in the exact spot where it would actually make sense and is like, oh, and you know, this dagger is probably older than the Death Star that has fallen on this planet. And it just, it, I didn't un- mm-hmm. understand that mm-hmm. part at all. Um, the concept of a force dyad i'm i have less issue with than just the general clutteredness of this movie um but it's something that is really hard for me to get around to just in the way that they in the way that they portrayed it i i, I yeah. almost like it a lot more in the way that it was done in the mortis gods arc with um you know with ahsoka and the daughter like how that could somehow be viewed as a force dyad in a way mm-hmm. um and by the way, we did an episode on the Mortis Gods. If you haven't checked it out, I think that was episode 55 of our podcast or something like that. Um, I, I just, the Force Dyad thing kind of was like, uh, yeah. I wasn't sold by it. Um, I guess I could be talked into it, but the one I really had a big issue with was Palpatine. Yep. Mm-hmm. This guy does not need to be in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, Largely, this speaks to not only the clutteredness, but the lack of planning to where when uh, Colin Trevorrow, who we said, you know, popped out of the project at one point and they were like, JJ, it's all you, man. Um, they, I imagine they probably paid him a pretty penny to, you know, convince him to do this. But um, I, I know he had very limited time to make this film what he wanted it to be. And I think at some point it just became, well... What would get people back into the theaters? Right. Palpatine, let's, you know, yes. somehow he's back. That, that We always use that joke. Yeah. Yep. Somehow. Uh, there's even another self-aware moment where the movie knows that it doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, Poe is talking to all these people in the first, or in the uh, resistance, and he's like, somehow, Palpatine has returned. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, we're not going to explain it to you. He came from way over here on right. this faraway planet, and he has... These millions of Star Destroyers that each have many Death Stars attached to them, which we had no idea about until the beginning of this movie. It's like, what? Like, where is this coming from? Uh, So uh, this movie is a mess, I think. Um, 
it is it is the lowest uh, Rotten Tomato score of any Star Wars movie, I believe. I know it's by far the lowest of all three of the sequels. Um, the other two movies are actually certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes for what for what it's worth, both over ninety percent. This one's at fifty one percent. I've rambled long enough on Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this movie? Yeah, it, it was a train wreck. I mean that that is that is clearly what it was in 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 my eyes in many eyes unfortunately i you know when i was watching it even when i was watching it i knew i'm like this is not going to go how i want it to go and it happened pretty quickly i mean the 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 pace at the early on the pace that everything was going at was really really fast and it was kind of cut scene cut scene going here going here going there and i'm like i'm not going to be able to last the entire movie doing this this is going to be crazy you know Mm-hmm. Now, the, so I I quickly scaled back my expectations and I said, okay, I'm just going to enjoy what I enjoy in this movie, you know. Um, we and we've talked about it before, where there are sometimes when you give Star Wars a pass, you're like, okay, I'll let that happen, you know, like okay, I could see how that could happen, and I I feel like I did that quite a bit here, and. I think you said it perfectly where they said, all right, we, we need to figure out how to get people back on board with star Wars. Let's bring back someone else. <laughs> and that someone else was Palpatine. Now there were, you know, again, if you read the books, there were always going to be, there are these little hints here and there. If you played battlefront two, there are these hints here and there that this was always going to be happening. But from a, a purely movie watching star Wars fan, None of this makes sense. <laughs> where did, you know, you had two full movies, you know, where the the bad guy was, you know, Snoke or Kylo Ren or, you know, and the First Order. There was no mention at all about Palpatine at all in those two movies. So for him to all of a sudden come back, being in the first, you know, five minutes of the movie with Kylo Ren, it just, again, jarring. It just didn't make sense of, of all of that. And not to mention, again, you know, we we've... You know the the casting, you know, like Finn, uh, casting aside of Finn, they made Rose a pretty big deal in Last Jedi. She was just sent, you know, back on, uh, you know, on the planet just to be like, you just handle all the stuff here on the planet. We're gonna go on this this uh this uh this mission over here. So you just stay there. So they did it again to someone else, yeah. you know. So I I think the uh again the the way that they were not planned properly between these movies. That is that is the rise and fall of this the sequel trilogy for me. Aha, the rise. <laughs> see what you did there. I, I just I've never been a huge fan because in if you're not familiar with you know expanded universe stuff, Palpatine does come back as a clone at some point, multiple times I think actually. Um, I just I don't think it's necessary in the movies. Right. I I think it undoes a lot of what Return of the Jedi does in taking Palpatine. Especially when you don't explain it. Like, if you're going to bring him back, like, explain how Anakin's sacrifice wasn't meaningless. You know? Because to me, that's what it felt like. I'm watching this movie. It's like, here is the villain of the original trilogy that the ultimate bad guy, Darth Vader, overcame, you know, his evil in his heart, like, sacrificed really his life in a way to save his son and, and, like, kill this bad guy, right? And now he's just back. And you're like, well, well, what was the point? You know, what was the point of Anakin's sacrifice? Yeah. Um, so that I, the first moment, Joey, I don't know if I've ever told you this. 
the first moment that I really, even though I didn't know it for sure, I kind of knew that I wanted to do a Star Wars podcast was mm -hmm. walking out of the theater of The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I didn't know that. I mean, I had so much frustration. I'm like, who do I talk to about this? Because, you know, right. I'm seeing the movie with my family. <clears throat> they all like Star Wars, but, you know, they don't like like Star Wars the way that you and I probably do. Right, and so yeah. it's like, I need to tell someone how how I feel about Setting this movie. I, how upset yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah. You need a support group. This, this is the... Hot Hangout is a support group for us, yeah, for Star Wars yeah. fans. Yeah, we should do a rewatch of this movie sometime because I, I just, I don't know. There's so much to say about it, and it, it just uh, concludes the Skywalker saga in a way that is, like, really not satisfying. And then, you know, raise a Palpatine, you're like, what? Okay, you know. Yeah. What, do you, what did you think about her last line, Ray Skywalker? Oh my gosh, dude. I, like, <laughs> what does that even mean? You're like, yeah. I'm a Skywalker because I think I'm a Skywalker. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I was like, it, it, it really, for me, was the moment when, where I was I, like, see, and, the, and what? but it was like, that was the forced thing. Like, you had to say you mm. weren't a Palpatine, and the opposite of that would be a Skywalker. That, that was, right. but if you didn't have the whole Palpatine storyline at all, you wouldn't have to make that line, you know? Yeah. So I think that's, I think it's, uh, it could have been better. It could have been better. Yeah. I mean, but to your point, why can't she just be Ray from nowhere? So Right. Uh, all that being said, let us know your thoughts on uh, your biggest criticism of each of these movies. In our show mm -hmm. notes, uh, we had planned for five minutes for each film. I think nah. we definitely went a little bit longer. Than nah. <laughs> nah. But uh, we are going to have just a couple other things we're going to touch on about the Disney Star Wars era. Um, one kind of focusing on the shows. And then another largely on just kind of this concept of this time within Star Wars we're living. So the show, one that we wanted to focus on, you know, you could pick out any aspect of various live action Star Wars shows that Disney has done as your least favorite. Um, the one we wanted to focus on, which I think we would both say is probably the weakest of the five shows that they've done, is The Book of Boba Fett. Um, there was an episode where it followed the Mandalorian storyline and the <laughs> Boba Fett really wasn't even in this show. And it yeah. felt like they were, you know, they were doing the show. They got to episode like four or five or whatever it was. And they're like, man, this is just like, not what we thought it was going to be. Right. You know, let's, let's throw Mandalorian in there. It, it felt like they, when they made that decision, it was probably at a certain time when the Mandalorian was coming out and people were loving it. And they're like, well, let's put him in the show. Right. Yeah. They had the same armor. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it just kind of takes away from the character mm -hmm. of Boba Fett. I know a lot of people also aren't fans of the way he was depicted. He felt very less bounty hunter and more kind of akin to Mace Windu, I would say. And obviously not like force powers wise, but just sort of his demeanor. Like a good guy who's willing to mm -hmm. do maybe kind of bad stuff who's willing to do what it takes, who's willing to do mm -hmm. what's necessary, but like has a, right. like a merciful heart, the way he like interacts right. with the sand people. You're like, it's kind of an interesting depiction yeah. of Boba Fett, contrary perhaps to the way he's shown in the original trilogy. Um, and then Joey, your favorite part. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> your favorite part of the uh, Boba Fett, uh, <laughs> the Boba Fett show, the, the part that is oftentimes made fun of 
by the way, not actually Joey's favorite part, but or maybe it is. <laughs> it, I don't, don't want to put words in your it, mouth. It, it, it is uh, in the in the opposite way that you think, though. Not like my favorite of all time in Star Wars, but right. my favorite to like troll about or actually just just to see yeah. it as the the most unnecessary spin in Star Wars, possibly in all movies. Yes, uh, was that happened in? I think it might have been the finale episode of Boba Fett, where yeah, the and I forget the name of that crew that is essentially modded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they 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 had injuries and then they um, were replaced with a lots lots of you know like uh, of like robot parts or droid parts and like that. And we actually come up we come to find out that I think Fennec actually had some of uh, some of those parts installed in her as well. But essentially, it's like the the spinning the spinning um, uh, his name's Shad, by the way. It, for anyone yeah. listening and you're not sure what the spinning shot from Book of Boba Fett is, look up SCAD spins. Oh, yeah. And if you're a video uh, watcher of the podcast, you can see what we're talking about on your screen <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's just like yeah, he, so unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, it's it's flashy and it's it's got finesse. But I don't in 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 the. In the battlefield, I don't know if you gain an advantage by doing that. I mean, that's literally right. 360 no scope. I mean, this is what we're seeing. <laughs> this is just like a small example of just why this show kind of felt silly at times. Like I call mm-hmm. them the Power Rangers, the the modded yeah, yeah. out people with the bikes. I was like, what? Why are why are why are they in this show? Yeah. I think this is likely the only live action show. Well, no, I take that back because Kenobi probably won't have a second season. I was going to say the only live action mm-hmm. show that won't get a second season. Um, and I think right. it will probably join Kenobi in that respect. At least if it, if this gets a second season, I'll be shocked. Yeah. Um, I would love to know like the financial analytics on each of these shows in terms of how they performed. I, I would be willing to bet that this did the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, not that money is the sole reason why you should or shouldn't continue with a show, but in the eyes of a lot of you know Disney executives, it probably yeah, but is. shareholders for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, just kind of lacking a lot of excitement in this show. I didn't ever feel yeah. invigorated by it. You know, it's right. funny. A lot of times with criticisms, you know, it's easy to point to very specific things, but it's also just kind of a general sense of how you feel about it after you've watched mm-hmm. it. Like the same way. Well, not quite how I felt walking out of episode nine. Uh, is maybe a much more scaled back version of that sentiment is how I felt after book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, a little bit uninspired. Yeah. You know, it was, it was fun, I guess, but I and could the, have not the, watched the, it and been fine. The, the heartbreaking part about this is that there's a whole sect of star Wars fans who just love Boba Fett right. who have over the years. I, I, I don't subscribe to that necessarily, but you know, everyone's got their particular thing that they really like to hold on to. That just love Boba Fett, you know, and for this to be the show that came out at the end of it, you know, you you kind of feel bad about it, you know, because it was, it, it didn't really do much for the character, unfortunately. And even, you know, the actor that plays him, Tamara Morrison, even went on record saying that he didn't really like exactly how things went along, you know, right. when Mando came in and was able to, for, for some reason, have a, a full episode for himself, you know, so I could, I could see, I could see the frustration there with that particular fan base and with the actor himself. Yep. Kind of similar to John Boyega's situation, actually. Two very, um, you know, 
two very upfront characters within their respective movie and show who and, and actually Mark Hamill falls in that category too with <laughs> right, the way yeah. he, he thought about Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how many times do we have to give examples of people who, you know, acted in a film or a TV show for Star Wars and and in the case of Luke and Boba, you know, characters who they had well, kind of with Boba cuz he had played Tamora Morrison had played Jango Fett before. Mm-hmm. But characters who they had been before in some regard and yeah. um in a way almost know the character better than the filmmakers especially in the case of mark hamill right so and, and i don't know john boyega tomorrow morrison mark hamill yeah we uh our hearts go out to you we, yeah. we, we feel you anyways book of boba probably our least favorite star wars live action show um which before we get into our final segment is also a good opportunity for a teaser for next week's episode we are going to be ranking and, and talking a little bit about each of the five Star Wars live action shows. Uh, Joey and I, actually, I don't know. Are we going to do our individual rankings, one through five for each of us probably, or just our cumulative rankings? I think I think each of us. I think it's it's small enough where we can kind of talk about it, each of us. All right, I'm putting Bo- Book of Boba at my number one next week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, tune into next week's episode where we will be uh, talking about each of our live action Star Wars shows and our rankings of those. Our last segment we wanted to talk about today, and then we actually have a very brief mini segment right after it before we conclude, is a uh, comment that Liam Neeson made a few months back, and that's sort of the the headliner for this section of of today's podcast, is uh, Liam Neeson essentially said that the reason he doesn't think Star Wars is in a good place anymore is because there's too much content to keep up with. Um, which is a, you know, I guess a fair criticism of of this time era that we're living in with Disney Star Wars. And so, um, you know, in terms of films, we have Force Awakens, we have Last Jedi, we have Rise of Skywalker. We also have the Star Wars story films with Rogue One and Solo. We have all the animated series with Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, Bad Batch, Tales of the Jedi, um, like and even Visions I would include in that, the TV series that we mentioned before. Mando, Boba, Kenobi, Andor, and Ahsoka. I mean, it is a lot of content. This is all Mm -hmm. within the past 10 years. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so I think Star Wars, there's two different ways you could look at it. You can approach it from, I am a film-only Star Wars watcher, Mm -hmm. and then just be fine not paying attention to the extra, extra stuff, let's call it, the TV shows. I think you miss out on a lot of the lore and the knowledge of star wars if you go that route Um, and increasingly they're going to be more interconnected so that's Mm -hmm. something to consider especially with the new ray film uh, coming up the you know the dave filoni movie that he's planning on doing and so you know with ahsoka and whatnot um and the uh the second route is that it just feels unapproachable altogether and so i'm not going to attempt it and that's kind of i think the way people feel about marvel movies right now Mm-hmm. Um, Disney is starting to feel, or excuse me, Star Wars is starting to feel more and more like Disney's other main IP, Marvel, and that it is becoming so vast that to someone who has never seen any Star Wars, like, why would I start this if I know I have to watch 42 TV shows and 19 <laughs> right. movies and read 87 comic books? It's like, yeah. So I, I get that criticism. Yeah. And it's, I mean, to be fair, it's less accessible because it's so much you know right the more and more volume that you pump out 
Um, again, this is something that you and I definitely don't subscribe to, but I think this is a, a fair point to, to say, you know, if you had somebody to come in and say, I want to start watching Star Wars, where do I start? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you can actually go many, many different avenues and it could be pretty difficult to actually get through all of it, you know, to even be able to be caught up to the latest uh, season of Ahsoka. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, and to fully, and we have people on our podcast, you know, uh, writing in on, in comments that say like, well, I've never watched Rebels. I've never watched, uh, you know, um, Clone Wars. And that is perfectly fine. But the problem is, is that, you know, they are going to be left out. They're, they're starting to interweave it as much as I do like it. You know, when they, they become like vital points into the storylines, you know, mm-hmm. if you wanted to watch Ahsoka, I really think you need to watch Rebels. Like, there, there, there's no, you know, I understand that maybe you didn't, but you would not enjoy it nearly as much as if you did. You know, you know, if right. you, if you know. So I, I think the, that's where it's starting to get a little bit harder. You know, to, especially with, you know, the maybe the the original trilogy fans, mm-hmm. for them to, you know, make the the jump over to animated. That's a that's a tough ask. You know, let's be honest. That's a tough ask. Uh, for for um for somebody who watched you know uh a new hope in the theater <laughs> to now like okay go watch seven seasons of Clone Wars go watch four seasons of Rebels go watch you know where they they never that was not part of their Star Wars ever you know right. so I think I think that's uh you know this is again the criticisms episode and I think for you know that sect of the Star Wars fandom that, you know, th- th- you're just asking too much now. It's overwhelming. And now you're bringing the High Republic into it. Now, this is an entire different era, not be documented at all in movies or in TV at this point. And that's all in books, all in comics, all, you know what I mean, all in novels. When they do eventually release a, uh, a High, high, uh, uh, high Republic movie, mm-hmm. They're going to have no idea of who these people are, but right. we've got now a third phase that has just come out of books, of comics, um, that people, if they have no idea what it is, they're going to be completely lost when the movie comes out. So that's that's kind of why I, I mentioned this as a criticism, just because, yeah, it could be overwhelming. It's like, if you want to be a fan, okay, now you got to do work. That's like that's kind of yeah. like how I, yeah. I feel like, you know, that's that's how they're approaching it now. Now you and I we're, we'll gobble up all this content left and right, but not everybody's gonna you know have the time to invest, uh, all, you know to do all, everything like uh, to catch up with all the storylines. So that's that's kind of why I brought it up at all as a criticism. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good point to bring up, and it's also like the people, m- probably most of the people that listen to this podcast and you know are on YouTube watching Star Wars content are the people who do fall in that same category as us, the ones that feel so strongly about Star Wars that they seek out the content and they're going to watch everything. And so um, I think what we don't often realize as people who also fall in that camp is that there's probably more Star Wars fans who don't fall in that camp than there are fans who do, meaning Mm -hmm. that there's more, um, I'm not going to call them average Star Wars fans, but fans who are like, I see all the movies, but I, I don't care to watch any of the shows. I think there's a lot more of those people than you think mm-hmm. there are and so um yeah i think star wars is, is you're i think you're right it's becoming um a little bit more unapproachable to someone who has never seen anything just because of how much there is so 
Something to keep in mind, is Liam Neeson right? Is there too much Star Wars? <laughs> uh, you and I would say no, but, you know, to each their own. Let us know down in the comments what your thoughts are in regards to that. Um, the very last mini segment we have for today, and then we'll pose another question to all of you who are listening. Um, Joey, I have 10 things from the sequel trilogy. Okay. Uh, I want you to say yes or no if you are okay with the way they were shown in the film and their respective film that each one takes place okay are you ready i'm ready those of you listening can also play along uh number one han solo's death yes okay number two the uh lightsaber toss of luke over the cliff that after ray handed it to him I, I'm going to say yes because it made me laugh. So okay. I'm going I'm okay. to I'm gonna, I'm gonna say with laugh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one's a little bit of a silly one. Blue milk. Uh, <laughs> when he's drinking. No, the... that's right. No, I, I, I didn't like that at all. Okay. <laughs> um, this is something we also talked about on this podcast the Mary Poppins scene with no. Leia in uh, Last Jedi. No, didn't like it. Uh, let's see. The character of Finn, the way it was portrayed. No, in all three films. All. Snoke's death in The Last Jedi. I actually okay with it. Okay. I liked it. Uh, Luke Skywalker. Oh, this is a spoiler if you haven't seen the Ooh. sequel trilogy. Luke Skywalker's death in The Last <laughs> Jedi. Um, yes, I think overall, yes. Okay. Uh, the scene in The Rise of Skywalker where the stormtroopers fly, and I think it's, is it Poe or Finn who has the line, they fly now? Uh... Flying stormtroopers. No, it was yeah, the, yeah. The, that whole scene was a little bit, little bit crazy. So no, no. It, and that 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 line was forced too. Yeah, Palpatine's return. Then I got no, one more after this. Not at all. I'm with you on that one. Uh, and then finally, the name Skywalker, Ray Skywalker. <laughs> um, again, I think it needed to happen. So I, overall, okay with it but because of the consequences of not being a Palpatine, that was the only other line that you had or the, you know, so yes, asterisk. All right. All right. Uh, if there are any of those that stood out to those stood out to those of you listening, let us know in the comments as well. A final question we would like to leave you with for today's uh, episode is what has Disney done wrong with Star Wars since acquiring it over a decade ago? What are your biggest criticisms or perhaps least favorite aspects of the Disney Star Wars era? Leave a comment down below. Uh, mm -hmm. Even shoot us an email if you want. We'd love to read those and uh, maybe even mention us on the socials. We'll check each of those in the coming seven days and mention them on next week's podcast episode, uh, which is also a good moment to remind you that next week's episode, Joey and I will be ranking the Disney live-action Star Wars shows, including The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, The Obi-Wan Kenobi Show, and or and the newest Ahsoka show. Um, we're looking forward I think to we that spoiled one very it. much. Yeah, I think we spoiled yeah. it a little bit. <laughs> we, you never know. We might rank Boba Fett number yeah, yeah. one. You got to yeah, tune in yeah. next week to find out. So um, it's going to be a fun one. Before we sign off, Joey, any last thoughts on the Disney era of Star Wars, whether it be sequel trilogy, live action TV shows, or anything otherwise? Of course, as this episode, we you know we were talking about the criticisms of it, and for some reason, I am inclined to say, listen, I do actually enjoy most of what Disney has done for Star Wars. 
but as a talking point, I think there's a lot that you know we could definitely criticize, um, because it because we care about the franchise so much because it's been so a part of our culture growing up and you know kind of going forward that you know we only want the best for it. So in order to do that, like An Vesuvia said, we need the experiment. Um, and sometimes those things don't hit. We we learn from it, and and hopefully something like the new Ray uh, Jedi Order movie will learn from uh, from the the shortcomings of the sequel trilogy. So, but yeah, overall great discussion. I I loved it, and I don't know. We should do more of these like kind of debate type of things where we are actually out of our elements yeah. in uh, the, discussing in um, some of these uh, topics. Yeah, and also maybe even a good opportunity to slightly plug our podcast two weeks from now um we mentioned in next week's episode that joey and i are going to be ranking our live action tv shows for uh, from the last several years of star wars in two weeks from now's episode we are going to be doing our first ever round table discussion with other members of the star wars uh podcasting and youtube community uh, we're going to have a couple guests on and we're going to our, our topic for the episode will be disney live action tv um so you know We'll be discussing both our rankings from at that time in uh, at that point, it'll have been a week prior when we ranked our episodes, uh, but then also getting our guests views. And so maybe that'll present an opportunity to have some of those lively discussions and, and talk about some of our favorite and least favorite aspects of Star Wars live action TV. So um, let us know once again, down in the comments, what your thoughts are on the Disney era of Star Wars. We look forward to, uh, checking each of those comments and hearing from each of you what your thoughts are. Thanks so much, as always, for listening to the Hoth Hangout podcast. We appreciate you very much. You can check out the Hoth Hangout podcast in video format on YouTube, as well as many of our reactions to lots of shows, including Ahsoka and the upcoming uh, show, the upcoming live-action Star Wars shows as well, and uh, some of our trailer reactions. Be on the lookout for the Andor Season 2 trailer. Thank you to the 346 of you who are subscribed to the Hoth Hangout YouTube channel. You can also email us your thoughts at hothhangout at gmail.com. Additionally, the podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts in audio format, including Apple and Spotify. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, leave us a five-star review on each of those platforms. We would appreciate it so very much. And additionally, you can catch us on the socials, whether it be Instagram, TikTok, or X, at Hoth Hangout on each of those. Uh, and lastly, thank you to Gibbo for producing the show, the videos, and the assets behind the scenes who we don't have a single criticism about. <laughs> he is the best. Uh, Gibbo, did we spoil anything for you in this episode, by the way? <laughs> no, no. All good. All good. Okay. <laughs> okay. We said something about Mando season two at one point, and I thought, oh, gosh, has Gibbo seen that? Yes, I've sure. seen all that. Okay, okay, okay. Right. <laughs> well, uh, we appreciate you, Gibbo. And um, you got anything left, Joey, before we sign off? No, I think this was a lot of fun and more to come next week. More to come next week. Tune in next time, ranking our Disney live-action Star Wars shows. Shout-out to George Lucas. Shout-out to Dave Filoni. And until next week's episode, thank you so much for listening to the Hot Hangout podcast. We appreciate each of you so very much. And may the Force be with you.